You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. So as I was thinking about the events of this past week, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, I don't want to just sit here and pray. I want to do something about it. And I was, what, what kept coming to my mind was, you know, don't just sit here, do something about all that's going on. Um, and then I had the thought, and I believe it was from the Lord, prayer is doing something. Prayer is doing the best thing that you can do. And those that think that prayer isn't really doing anything don't really understand the power of God when he answers our prayers. And then as I was continuing to think, I thought, well, God, what do I even pray? I mean, what am I going to say that's not cliche? What am I going to ask for that already hasn't been asked for? I mean, everybody knows that divisions in our country are so deep that um, it almost seems insurmountable. And that's when I had the thought that comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. This will be the springboard for our conversation today. Look at verse 26 with me, where Paul writes, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. That was exactly where I was at, right? I didn't even know what to pray for. And then it says, But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Now, some people would say that that's talking about praying in tongues or whatever, but I don't think that's limited to just praying in tongues. I think it's something much more. Have you ever had a prayer where you just didn't know what to say and you just kind of like, God, God, ah, ah, I don't know what to say. Ah. You know, I call it the Chewbacca prayers. Like, you know, it's like, God, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm just groaning. And I believe the Holy Spirit praise on our behalf. As Paul says, that is praying in the spirit. You're not even saying any words, but it's these groanings that just reveal the depths of your heart that come from the Holy Spirit. Now, um, we're going to see fire mixed with prayer, and the passage that kind of leads us there is when John the Baptist is talking, Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 11. He says, he says, John the Baptist, wild guy, you know, um, probably had dreadlocks, wore camel skin, you know, had honey in his beard, ate locusts. This is the guy. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be a slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Say it to me. Fire. See, the fire comes in uh, the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And that passage, that prediction by John the Baptist actually was fulfilled and came true on the day of Pentecost. We're gonna see it in Acts chapter two. All these Jewish people are there at a festival. They're celebrating, you know, these festivals. They're celebrating harvest, all this kind of stuff. And look at what happens in Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, all these Jewish people, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And look at this. And divided tongues as of what? Say it. Fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all these Jewish people kind of went like a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate their festivals and feasts. And while they were there, the believers are praying and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They see these tongues of fire 
come down and people from different places who spoke different languages could understand each other. It's like kind of like Holy Spirit Google Translate, okay? It's like everybody could understand these tongues being speaking in the, spoken in their own language here. Now, I learned this fire thing. I learned, you know, I, I kind of hadn't thought about this when I read through the Bible. And then when I read this little book by Fred Hartley, it's called Prayer on Fire. We're recommending it during uh, our 21 Days of Prayer series. Um, and, and this helped me to see just how pervasive fire is with prayer and with the Holy Spirit. So what you've got to connect with is this three-way convergence of prayer, fire, and the Holy Spirit. And where those three things come together in the middle and converge, that's where we want to be. We want our prayers to be filled with the Holy Spirit, infused with the fire that comes from the Holy Spirit. You want to be in that sweet spot where those three converge in the middle. Now, how do you get there? Well, I'm going to show it to you in real simple terms. It's real simple. You get drunk, you break the law, you ask your dad, okay? You get drunk, you break the law, you ask your dad. Now, you got to hang with me through this and listen to what I mean by this because I can see some teenagers at home saying, Mom, you heard Pastor Doug. He said, get drunk, so let's go get mimosas, okay? No, I'm not saying it like that, but hear me out. Hear the whole deal, and you'll know what I'm talking about today. But before I get to all that, um, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we know that we can't manufacture the fire of God. We're not just trying to create hype or emotionalism or anything like that, but we want that which is real. And that's why we've combined our praying with fasting. So some people are fasting from different things, like some people are fasting from meat, some from social media, or some from coffee, all kinds of things. Some people may be fasting from Netflix. I thank God that I'm not fasting from Netflix. Man, I finished Cobra Kai last night. It was fantastic. But anyways, um, <laughs> Cobra Kai. Yeah. So anyways, uh, everybody's excited about that. But we want the fire in our prayers, and so we've added fasting to it. If you're not familiar with biblical fasting, I did a teaching on this a few years ago. We'll post it in the comments for those of you that are watching online so you can go back and listen to that. And all I talked about in this talk was biblical fasting. Um, if you came for the first time this week and you weren't here last week and you thought, I didn't know everybody was fasting. Well, you can join us this week. You can start, you can do 14 days of prayer um, if you would like to. Now, in addition to our fasting, we've added midweek or Tuesday night, what we call awaken services. Those services uh, are prayer services. They're both in person here in the Cameo and online. So you can join us online if that's the way that you're comfortable to worship uh, during the pandemic and all that. And during these awaken services, we're praying for peace and unity, of course. We're praying for elected officials. We're praying that people would be healed from coronavirus. We're uh, praying for all kind of stuff on those nights. And so we would, you're invited, all of you are invited to be a part of those Tuesday nights if you would like to, and if you feel like it would helpful. But we know that God wants fire in our prayers. And as you read through the Bible, you'll see multiple stories of fire with the Holy Spirit and in prayer. So for example, King David, when he was praying in the temple one time and he had this offering there, fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering. Then his son, King Solomon, was dedicating the temple, and he was praying. Fire came down and consumed the uh, offerings there. John's prayer, you know, John the Apostle, he was 
uh, in jail, in prison on the island of Patmos. And he was praying. He had an experience of Jesus where Jesus was on fire from head to toe and had fire in his eyes. And then last Sunday, we studied the story of Isaiah in which Isaiah uh, was being called by God. He was in prayer. He had this experience of God where uh, an angelic type creature brought a coal from the fire and touched it to Isaiah's lips and purified him of sin and prepared him to speak on behalf of of God. So since we're talking about praying in the spirit today, um, I had to kind of, in my mind, think back to when I first started following Christ, because I understand uh, some of you are very new to this. Some of you uh, are not even believers in Jesus, but you're just giving it a chance and uh, trying to figure out if God is for real and legit. And I got to take you back to when I was kind of a new Christ follower, and I would hear the words people who were spirit-filled or praying in the spirit, and I associated those words with religious wackos, okay? Um, you know, I, I thought of it um, as, as kind of crazy uh, religious people, and part of the reason for my perception was I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that is uh, a city where there's a very well-known Christian college there. And, uh, you know, what I remember was that the locals remember the founder as a guy who was always on television begging for money all the time. Um, and then as you would drive into the entrance of that particular college, you would see these flags as you were going in. I'll show you a picture of that. Um, and so the locals would call it Six Flags Over Jesus, you know. And then you can see this big statue of the founder's hands, praying hands, that's what it's called. And so the joke around town was if you flip a quarter out there, the hands will reach out and grab the quarter and, and get it because that's what I thought in my mind about spirit-filled people. You know, that was my perception. Now, my perception was probably wrong. Um, in fact, just a couple years ago, um, during the Final Four basketball tournament here in San Antonio, the president, the current president of that university actually came to our church services here at City Tribe Church, and we chatted it up for a little bit. Totally cool, dude. They've made a lot of great changes at that university. And so I had these perceptions, and my perceptions were probably mostly wrong. There are a lot of good people at that school. But I want you to think about what comes to your mind when you think about people who are spirit-filled or people who are trying to be, as we say, filled with the spirit. Maybe um, you think about like, you know, crazy religious people doing cartwheels in church while they're speaking in tongues, dancing around like James Brown. Or maybe you think about religious television where, you know, the big time pastor is in his Armani suit and smiling and his wife wears so much makeup that she looks like she got shot in the face with a paintball gun. You know, it's all kinds of perceptions. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to erase all your perceptions about what goofy people do um, to, to make spirit-filled kind of a bad thing. You know, Pastor Lee said it well um, when he said that we live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. And that's what being filled with the spirit is, is all about, living by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. And as we go through these, uh, you know, kind of strange times, um, we, we've got to have this weapon of prayer, don't we? And there's this passage where Paul is writing this little letter to a group of people in a town called Ephesus, and he talks about spiritual weapons that we use to fight. When Christians fight, we don't fight with violence, but we fight in the spirit. So look at 
this passage. Uh, it's the famous passage of the armor of God, Ephesians chapter six. Look at verse 17 and 18. It says, he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And look at this next one. He says, praying at all times, what? In the spirit with, you know, all prayer and supplication. So praying in the spirit is actually one of the weapons that we use that are a part of the armor of God that God has given to us uh, to use in the spiritual battle uh, in which we fight. And then you're saying, well, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? I mean, does it mean that I sit there and om, you know, something? No, it's not that at all, okay? I'm I'm gonna break it down for you. And one of the examples that Paul gives us of praying in the spirit is in 1 Corinthians. So he wrote another little letter. By the way, if you're new to Bible reading, the, the New Testament is a lot of letters that apostles and people wrote to people in different towns. And so there were people in Ephesus or other people in Asia Minor in, first, in a town called Corinth, and it's called first, Second Corinthians. So let's look at First Corinthians 14, 14, and it further explains praying in the Spirit. He says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit's praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then, what shall I do? He goes on to say, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So it's saying there that one of the ways to pray in the Spirit is to pray in tongues. And if you're new to church, you know, speaking in tongues is something that some people can, you know, some people do. They just start praying in another language comes out. It's like, boom. Now, don't expect that God will take you like a puppet and make your lips move and, you know, like uh, make you speak in tongues. But if you want that, you just sit down in prayer. You say, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit, speak in tongues. And then you got to start speaking. He's not going to make you do it. You have to say the first words and see what he does. I speak in tongues. I thank God I speak in tongues. Love doing it. But what I want you to understand is that that is one way to pray in the spirit. It is not the only way. And this is somewhat controversial with some Christian people. That's why I gave a whole talk on it a couple of years ago. We'll link to that in the comments if you want to hear a talk just on the gift of tongues or speaking in tongues. So do you understand that tongues is only one way that people pray in the spirit, but there are other ways to do it as well. And Paul gives us kind of a guideline for praying in the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. This is a classic text where he says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So basically what he's saying there is you don't want to be controlled by wine. You want to be controlled by the Spirit. So that's why a lot of us say, let's get drunk right? But you get drunk when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. You actually cop a buzz off the Holy Spirit, you know, when you're connecting with him, when he's uh, filling you up. So, uh, you know, we look at this text that says, do not be drunk with wine. We're not saying today that drinking wine is a sin, else Jesus would be a sinner, right? Because he turned water into what? Wine, and it had to be the good stuff. It had to be at least a Cabernet, okay? It wasn't that nitrine express, that lame stuff, okay? It's like uh, Jesus turned water to wine. The Bible also tells us that he drank and 
feasted and ate with uh, tax collectors and sinners. But what you got to understand is, is that wine can be a really great slave, but it's not a good master in your life. And these particular people that Paul was writing to um, were in the town Ephesus, and they were exposed to the false gods of Dionysius as well as Diana. Now, you can see a picture of both of these together. On the right, you see Dionysius. He was known as the god of wine and drunkenness, and a lot of people worshiped him to get drunk. And, and then on the left, you can see Diana, who was like this fertility goddess and a goddess of sex. You know, it's like a sex goddess and also probably had a hard time shopping for swimsuits, as you can see in the statue in the picture. Um, so it's a strange, you know, kind of statue goddess there. And I think that a lot of people are still worshiping Diana and Dionysius today, aren't they? Because a lot of people just sit around, get drunk with wine, look at porn, and hook up, right? And so what we're saying is that praying in the Spirit is the prayer that you offer to God when you're being controlled by the Spirit of God. And when you're controlled by the Spirit, you're rooting out of your life any other substance that controls you and keeps you from connecting with God and the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be controlled by anything. It's not just wine. It's not just beer or drugs or whatever. It's all kinds of things that we allow ourselves to be controlled by. But if we want to um, pray with fire and the Holy Spirit and be pray in the Spirit, we have to let some of those things go and get drunk or controlled by the Spirit. Now, um, one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of Christians today is that a lot of Christians want an esoteric experience with the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit does give us spiritual experiences, you know, dreams, visions, stuff like that. But I think that a lot of people, a lot of Christians these days are skipping something. They're looking for the esoteric experience and not starting getting a word from the Bible, God's word. It's right, right in front of us. So I would say you have to get a Bible buzz before you get drunk in the spirit. I know that's kind of a dad joke, but hey, it makes sense to me. It's like you get in the word, the Bible first, and then let it lead to what it leads to, but do not seek the spiritual esoteric experience without the Bible. And here's how I got there. I was comparing Colossians with Ephesians. Those of you who study your Bibles uh, may have noticed that there are a lot of similarities between those two books. They're kind of like the Gospels. They're parallel books of the Bible. So I want to show you a comparison of the filled with the Spirit passage that we just read in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 18 on the left-hand side of the chart. Remember, he said, don't get drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, singing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks for everything to God. Okay, that's Ephesians. The same concept Paul conveys in a different way to the people in Colossae. Look at on the right-hand side, Colossians 3.16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and mushing one another in all wisdom, 
singing hymns, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So you see what's going on there? It's basically the same concept that Paul's trying to convey. And to one group of people, he says, be filled with the Spirit. To another group of people, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the word. So he's using being filled with the Spirit and letting the word dwell in you richly synonymously. That's why we have to be a people of the word of God so that the spirit can speak to us in and through the word that he himself inspired. See, if you've never read your Bible before, you might want to start in the New Testament book of John. That would be a great place. If you've been a believer for a while, go back and read some book of the Bible that you hadn't read in a long time. But some of you are having a real hard time praying in the spirit or living filled with the Spirit, and I want to show you why. And I believe the answer to this is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Look at it with me. It says, Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Check. Everybody wants to do that, right? He goes on to say, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Check. We all want, you know, we get that. Uh, The sinful nature wants to do evil. Okay, we know that, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, leave that verse up there just for a minute. I'm going to come back to the last sentence because that's going to be key, but anybody feel that tension in your own life. It's like, oh, I want to do all this stuff for the Spirit, you know, in the Spirit and everything. I want to live in the Spirit, but I've just got these sinful cravings that I just give into all the time. Why don't, you know, it's like Paul said in one place, why do I do things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do? That's what's going on here. And then we see why that's happening in the last sentence of this particular passage that I've got on screen here. He says, but you are directed by the Spirit. You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. The law is what's killing some of you in your walk with the Lord. In Paul's audience, the people were struggling because of the law of Moses, the rules that were there. And now they're under the new covenant or the new Testament age, and they didn't know how to operate and live in the spirit Because isn't it human nature for us to just want to go back to the law, go back to the rules? And look, I'm telling you, some of you grew up in religious environments or you grew up in environments where there were a bunch of legalistic rules. There were a bunch of rules. Some of you grew up in Catholicism, a bunch of rules there. Some of you grew up as Protestants. Hey, a bunch of Protestant churches have a bunch of rules too, right? And uh, it's easy for us to want to go back to the rules because then we don't have to think about what we're going to do. We just follow the rules, right? But... That's not the way of walking in the spirit or praying in the spirit. Let me show you a chart where we talk about um, moving from living under the law. You know, uh, we're breaking the law, right? We want to break the law and we want to move to walking in the spirit from praying um, under the law. So if you're praying under the law, you pray as a rule. If you're praying in the spirit, prayer is like a relationship, 
right? If you're under the law, you must pray. You ought to pray. If you're in the spirit, it's like, I want to. I get to pray. If you're under the law, you obey to earn intimacy with God in your prayer time. If you're praying in the spirit, you're experiencing intimacy with God in your prayer time, and it motivates you and makes you want to obey him because you love him so much. Then if you're under the law, um, prayer is like a duty to you. And if you're Praying in the spirit, it's a delight. You just love, you can't wait to get back and spend time with your good and perfect heavenly father. Now, have you ever heard, and and here's the way I would explain it. Have you ever heard a woman, young lady, um, talking to a guy and she says about the guy that she's with, you know, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. Well, you know what that is, right? She's putting him in the friend zone right? You know the friend zone, right? You see, guys, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, get closer with this girl and she keeps calling you her buddy and stuff. Well, you know, you're getting put in the friend zone, you know, just like a lot of the popular memes that show up these days. You're getting put in the friend zone. And, and here's what happens uh, with our relationship with God. It's like the Bible describes our relationship to God as like the bride of Christ, like newlyweds, passionate about each other. Have you ever seen that couple that they're like so enamored with each other, like a newlyweds, and they're just so in love, they can't, they can't be separated. They're just always together. They just love being together. Well, that is what it's like to pray in the spirit. When we pray under the law, we put God in the friend zone. When we're in the spirit, we've fallen in love with him, and we love to be with him and pray with him. You know, there's a author named uh, Steve McVeigh, and he tells of a little girl who had been trained to pray by her parents, and it was bedtime, and they were, you know, about to go to bed. They were putting her to bed, and they told her, told the little girl, hey, honey, you know, it's your turn to pray. You pray tonight before you go to sleep, and she said a prayer like this, popular prayer that you've heard pray. She said, God, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. It's like bedtime. She realizes, oh, no, I prayed the wrong prayer. She says, didn't I pray the wrong prayer? Um, and, and that's kind of the mentality of people who pray under the law is you got to pray the right prayer all the time. See, that's what religious people do to praying or being filled with the Spirit is they make it to where you have to say the exact right words so that the impersonal deity somewhere up in the sky might hear what you're saying. You have to get the, the it, it's almost like magic where people have to say the exact right incantations to get some mystical power to answer. But that's not the way praying in the spirit works at all. It's not about the right prayers. And look, I can always tell when someone is praying under the law or they're praying in the spirit by the language they use when they pray. So I've had some people come to me and they say, Pastor Doug, I'm praying for you. And you know, I was in this deep experience of being slain in the spirit. And you know, it was open heavens, Pastor Doug. I was interceding for you that you might experience the sevenfold spirit of glossolalia and the transubstantiation through the Eucharist. You know, what, did, what even did they say? And then I've got a friend that comes to me and says, you know, Doug, you came up in my conversations with my dad yesterday, and he wants you to know how much he digs you. Which one do you think is praying in the spirit and praying in a relationship rather than under the law? 
And I think we overcomplicate prayer a lot. And I notice people, particularly in our little small tribes where it's the first time and I'll ask them to pray and they're like all nervous because they think they have to pray under the law and say a bunch of theological words when really praying in the spirit is talking to your good father, your good dad that loves you. And so we've seen that if we want to have the fire in our prayers, we got to first get drunk in the spirit. We have to break the law in our prayers. We don't operate under the law anymore in our prayers. And then the last thing is you just ask your dad. You want to be filled with the spirit? You just ask your dad. And I got this from a passage in Luke where uh, Luke writes in Luke eleven eleven. he says, hey, look, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, this is Jesus talking here, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the what? Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He used to ask your dad. And so I want you to think about this just for a minute. Do you think that your father, according to this passage, wants good stuff for you? What do you think he wants for you? I'm here to tell you today, if you ask him for a bite of chicken, he's going to give you the three-piece combination plate with biscuits, okay? That's our father, man. He's a good, good father. So what do you say we talk to him for a minute? And some of you, and keep your eyes open. Because you need to de-demystify this prayer thing just for a little bit. And some of you that are new to church, you didn't know God was like this, and you want him to be your father. Well, I want you to invite him into your life right now. Just in your own mind, just say, hey, look, God, I choose to believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Welcome into my life. I'm your kid now. I'm your kid. And those of you in the cameo, I want you to pull out this little handout you got. And the longer prayer that starts with, Father, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, I want you to... Pray this with me out loud. Those of you online, it'll be on the screen. Because we're gonna, by prayer, through prayer, we're gonna ask God to, by his spirit to control us, right? We're asking the Holy Spirit, we wanna get drunk on the spirit. We wanna be controlled by the spirit. So I'm gonna pray this out loud and you can pray it along with me out loud. Here we go, ready? Father, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice. I yield my mind will, and emotions to you. I completely submit all that I am and all that I have to your control. Father, I confess my sin to you. I've let other stuff control me. Root out anything in me that displeases you. Father, I receive your forgiveness. I'm forgiven and clean. No condemnation on me. Father, Take back from the enemy any ground I've given over to him. Free me from demon deceptions. I take back that ground from the evil one. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Now turn the piece of paper over and if you got a free hand, just put it out in a position to receive. Because remember, your father in heaven, if you've had a bad father on earth, erase all that. He's not like that. He's the best. And I want you to hold a hand out as we pray this part out loud together. Here we go, ready? 
Father, right now, I receive the filling of your Holy Spirit. Get me drunk in the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, immerse me in the water of your Spirit. Saturate my whole life with your Spirit. By faith, I receive. I am filled. I welcome the fullness of your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. So let's stay quiet just for a minute. As you've just received a filling, and this is the part where you may want to close your eyes and just with your heart and your mind listen to the Holy Spirit as he's filled you and as he's speaking gently to you now. that encouraging word that's come into your heart. That's from Holy Spirit. <laughs> when you don't know what to pray, he's helping. Sometimes with a groan. Someone who is dealing with a very complex and painful situation and you don't even know what to do. He's saying, daughter, son, I'm with you. The warm embrace that you feel in your heart now is him. The fruit of what he's bringing in you is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against this stuff. Sit just for another minute. Just, just listen and experience him. you've just messed up too much and he's left you but he's telling you no I haven't left you son daughter I'm here with you right now some of you get overly stressed about current events and he says yeah in this world I've, I told you this long time ago in this world you're going to have trouble but take heart, I've overcome the world. So you don't focus on CNN or Fox News, you focus on me right now. Because it's my peace I leave with you, not like the world leaves. 
my peace. Perhaps you feel like you've just been damaged by what's happened to you. Someone hurt you in some way. And you feel like you're going to be a freak the rest of your life because of what happened. You can't seem to get out of it. And he says, no, you're not. You're my daughter. You're my son. And you're who I tell you you are in my word. You're not all these negative thoughts that are coming to your mind. You're my kid. And I care for my kids. And we're going to get through Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing in people at the last service and at this service and online all over the city, all over the place. And we want to be a people of the Holy Spirit fire in our prayers. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake, everyone said, God has been so good to us today, has he not? So good, right? And so as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you of next Sunday where I'm going to talk about praying in the fire. You ever been going through the fire and you're like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to, how to get through that. I don't know what mindset I need to have. Well, next week we're going to look at from the scriptures how to make it through the fires of trial when you're going through them. So make sure and log back in, show back up for the services next week if you feel like that'd be helpful for you. Um, and another element of the law and being filled with the Spirit that I want to talk about is as it relates to our tithing. You know how we always talk about bring a first fruit tithe at the local storehouse of church? Well, some people tithe under the law. And you know that someone ties under the law if they're like, you know, tithing begrudgingly. They're, they're worked up about it. And then, right now they're, they're saying, oh, no, here he goes again. Pastor's talking about money again. It's the shakedown right now, right? This is what's going on here. Let's well, see. All that mentality is under the law. But when you tithe being filled with the Spirit in the Spirit, it's like, no, I can't wait to give because I want to see what my good father does with that. I want to see how God helps other people through my generosity. I want to see how God's going to provide for my family and I as we steward our resources with him. You see the difference there? It's, it's like a joy to be able to to tithe and to give and all of that when you're walking in the spirit. Um, and some of the happiest people I know are the most generous people I know. They're always happy. And the people that are still under the law and still tightly hanging on to everything, stingy, uh, they're, they're never very happy, are they? No matter how much money they have, rich people, stingy, um, and they still don't experience what we do, even though we're common folk, you know? Uh, because that's the life in the spirit as we're generous. So uh, here's how to get that done if you're new to City Tribe. Uh, you can do it in one of four ways. You can mail in your tithes or offerings to our P.O. box. You can donate online at citytribe.church slash tithe. Uh, text message it. You know, you text 
the, the word tribe, space, the dollar amount, press send to 74483. Or uh, you can do so in person at one of the giving kiosks located near the exits. And when you tithe today, I want you to do it in the spirit. Whether you're pressing a button or dropping something in a box or in the mail, just pray over it and say, God, fully leverage these resources for your kingdom's sake. And I trust you, God. I let go and trust you because I know you're gonna provide for my family and I. So before you guys worship through your generosity, let's stand up together. And if you're comfortable to do so, put a hand out in a position to receive. If you're next to your family member, you can put one hand on them. Um, if you're not, don't touchy, okay? Don't, no touchy people, you know, not in your immediate family. And dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from this place, may you walk from here drunk on the Holy Spirit, breaking the law, you know, breaking the power of the legalistic law in your life, walking from here, just asking your dad, walking with your dad, your good father, who loves you so much. You guys have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.